We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Okay, so we're still looking at the, the topic of covenant renewal. So by the end of today, hopefully you'll also be able to answer these following questions. So if you need to write these down, these were the ones that we could be able to test you on by the end. So, the big feast was great. What now? What now? How do we sustain this love that we're going to be talking about today? How do we sustain this love? What is this active ingredient called grace? How does it work? Where do you get it from? How do we make sure that we excel in this grace? So those are the four questions we're hoping to answer today. And John's going to come up and share with us. We can take the PowerPoint down a little bit. Oh, oh you want to keep? Okay. We, can, we, can we make it small? Thank you. Good. Not just a big feast, more a way of life. Hmm. Koinonia, sharing, community, living out the love that God has placed in our hearts one for another. Isn't it good? Yeah, it's good. I'm really excited about it. Yes, good. Great time. Great time we're coming together. Uh, it's just something, very rarely we get the opportunity to do that, something like that. So, great to come together, have some fun. Have something between that connects us more than just mere circumstance. Big Feast was good, but we all know this, is, this community is about more than just an event. It's, it's about a way of life. Absolutely critical way of life for two reasons. One, God equips us for that, to live differently. And two, is because it's a primary way of showing what he's like in this world. So it, it is a very, very vital thing. It's how it's always been when God has touched lives, drawn them together into community. Something more than just a, an event. See, when those kind of outside look in, what would they observe on any given day? Remember there's this story of this uh, important Roman general or something that was sent to investigate uh, the Christians, what was happening. And he kind of came back. This is not the exact quote, but, you know, they're a bit crazy, but my, how they love one another. And one of the key features of demonstrating, if not the key feature of demonstrating, that God has changed our lives, that God has equipped us, not only with the sight of him, but with his spirit within us to live differently, is that we love one another and live as though we do. John 13 says, By this everyone will know that you're my disciples 
Because you come to the meeting on a Sunday and you sing a song. Or you read the Bible. It doesn't say any of those things. It says, by how you love one another. There's something, and we'll look at that this morning, that God has placed inside of us that gives us the ability to relate in a different way. Not in a way of what we get out of it, but in a way of what we put into it. And we'll talk about that as we go through. The early church had these characteristics. It's what could be observed when watching that first community of Jesus' followers in Acts. Acts 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Let me say it again. All the believers were one in heart and mind. It starts there. It starts with something on the inside. It has an expression on the outside. But here's the key thing. It's what's happened on the inside, that change, that love that God has placed there. The outworking, there was no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. Something happened to selfishness. Something happened to self first, last and always. Something happened to the need to grab something that's mine. Goes on to say, but they shared, koinonia, everything they had. And it's interesting to bear in mind, we know that there were over 3,000 of them kicking off, doing this, starting this, because they were added. All in one mind and heart. Wow. I mean, that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? I mean, three people all in one mind and heart can be a bit of a miracle. But 3,000 plus all in one mind and heart because something that God had done. Different languages, different homes, different cultures. The ability to come together in the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is loving one another. Not we have the joy of being representing different backgrounds, different cultures, different nationalities. But you see, there's something that's greater than that. We're children of the living God. We have a new culture. It's called kingdom culture. Praise God, I'm not restricted to an English culture. How miserable and boring that would be. Or any other culture. We live in the goodness of God, or we have the opportunity to live in the goodness of what God has done in us. Community. Hanging out together. And they had everything in common, willing to sell possessions. This gets a bit extreme, doesn't it? But it's biblical. It's kingdom. The willingness to sell possessions to meet the needs of others. Basically a commitment to share what we have, to share our lives and the product of our lives, homes or whatever. Commitment to share my stuff, my life with others. And, and this wasn't a structured thing. This wasn't, here's the rules for being part of this community. It was not imposed. It could not be imposed because they went way beyond that. Nothing was taken from anybody. 
In fact, that would have completely messed the thing up. It's not about what's taken, it's what's given was the issue. An ability to live differently. An ability to live and show what God is like. An ability to, to live out the love of God in us. Do you think that's good? Hmm. Hmm. Let me ask that again. Do you think that's good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically a change an experience a revelation of God's love and life in us so that we can adopt a whole new set of priorities learning a new way of living relating being together as well as prayer and worship and fellowship Guys, this is, this is more than just a kind of advanced social expression. This is about something that comes from the heart. This is about the family of God showing what God is like, loving one another and living out in real, biblical, practical ways what it is to love him and love one another. Not just sharing stuff, but realising we're deeply connected more than even the natural family, a new understanding of what is mine, the opportunity to give and to share. And Jamie's going to come and talk to us about how we sustain this. Okay, so it's not just an event, it's a way of life. What more? What does it look like? Well, there. Uh, John was just telling us some of the things, what, what it looks like. It's, it's obvious, it's visible from the outside, but how do we sustain that? Just while I'm talking, I've got a glamorous assistant that's going to be setting up. Um, do, do you need much time to set up? Okay, all right. He doesn't need much time to set up, so I, we'll wait for him. So how do we sustain this? Well, we can't, we can't sustain this kind of love through feelings. Feelings wear out, they change, they're actually decided by what you've eaten for breakfast, how you slept the night before, all these things can mess with your feelings. It's okay to have these moments of fun, but once you've had a bad day and you're, you're at your, your wit's end and you're just getting annoyed, you realize, gosh, that my emotional state, my feelings are not enough to sustain this. There's something needed that's beyond my well of feelings. So um, there was a, a young couple that have recently got married. We call them Iconella. Um, they, they, just, just to protect their names, um, were telling me a story. They, they've, they had their, their wedding. Oh, lovely dresses. And Ella wore something too. And then they had the honeymoon, all very lovely. But it's when the rubber hits the road, when someone's alarm clock goes off and is snoozed four times an hour before the person needs to get up, that suddenly the reality of life kicks in and the feelings aren't there at that point in time. You need something that's deeper and beyond you. Well, can it be a sense of duty that sustains this love? A real commitment, I'm going to do this no matter what. 
I don't know if you've ever experienced someone doing something for you out of duty. So rarely does it communicate love. It's just been pro you you're, you've been processed by someone. I heard of this story about this pastor in Africa who had noticed one of his congregation hadn't been attending the meetings for a few weeks. So he asked one of his leaders, can you go visit this man and, and see what the matter is? So a week later, the, the leader came back and said, I, I visited that man that you asked me to. The thing is, he lost his job. And he's so poor right now, he's struggling to even feed his family. But don't worry, I gave him bus fare so he could come to your meeting next Sunday. He was a very dutiful leader, but he missed the love that would cause him to really appreciate all that was going on around him. So if it's not duty, and if it's not feelings, what can sustain us? Well, funny enough, it's the thing that we've been talking about pretty constantly for the last little while. A fresh touch and a sight of him, which we're going to see the Bible refers a lot to as grace, which causes us to will and act according to his good purpose. That's what it says in Philippians 2.13. There's something that can be put in me that can keep me going. This is an active ingredient that we're calling grace. Now, my glamorous assistant. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to add our active ingredients. Um, you guys can all just throw us a bit of pumpkin now. Um, shout at me. Whoa. <laughs> you almost lost your opportunity there. You can all shout at me. Oh! <laughs> what the active ingredient is. Sorry, Zachary, that was uh, your moment to shine, and I completely messed it up. But all he was going to do, all he was going to do was pull the string. <laughs> I do this professionally. <laughs> so I put my Mentos in the Diet Coke, and that went higher than it did yesterday when we tried it out. That was longer than two metres, and it gratefully, thankfully didn't hit the ceiling. Anyway, that was very close. Uh, so our active ingredient was our, our Mentos went into our Diet Coke, and you saw the effect it had. And what I was going to get you guys to shout out in our illustration here, what is our active ingredient in terms of what we're talking about this morning? I can one person, come on, you can do better than that. Grace, the Holy Spirit, Grace. That goes in and it cannot help but have an impact, right? And it might have a great fountain, a huge impact like that, and it might be completely out of control like that. It might happen when you don't expect it to, or it might happen when you're kind of expecting it to and you're kind of in the right, right place or whatever. Um, that which, I suppose, perfectly illustrates what we're talking about. There you go. So I, I asked Michael to do that because he's a trained scientist teacher. <laughs> How many microwaves have you exploded at work? Just two. Okay. That they know about. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> keep, keep going, Nick. You're doing a great job. The Mintos were dropped in and it called something to come out. 
that wasn't coming out by its own before. Grace does that. Something has been gifted to us that causes something to be given by us. Something has taken up residence on the inside and in partnership with that something expresses itself on an outside. A valve is needed. Okay, imagine Michael trying to put the cap on that, trying to bottle that up. It, it wouldn't have looked pretty. The pressure is too intense. It can't stay inside. And I believe what we're talking about with this, um, this active ingredient is an ongoing perpetual reaction. I was told once when I was pouring concrete, uh, someone said to me, that, will, that mixture will be reacting for years and years to come, getting harder all of the time. There's something that is constantly making me soft, softer, soft, softer, softer, soft, softer, more malleable. We can love because he first loved us. We can give because he's first given to us. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet he became poor for your sake, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He took his riches, he gave that to us. And even though we were poor, we became rich at his expense. He became what we are so that we could become what he is. So in Acts, Luke is describing this new community and what it looks like and how vibrant and incredible this loving and this sharing and this giving to each other is. He's got no other way to describe it other than something has been dropped inside the, the hearts of these people that has caused something else to come out. If we could have that PowerPoint back up again. Is Acts 4.33, how does he describe it? It says, with great... Well, let me read this version. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Charis, great grace. Great grace was upon them. Something had been dropped inside that was causing this reaction to happen. We can't have that community, that sharing, that koinia that John spoke about earlier without charis, without grace, without an experience. We're going to go into breakout rooms now for two minutes. And your question, I want you to, to discuss together. You're not going to be forced, forced into breakout rooms on Zoom. You get to choose. And if you're in this room, just grab a few people near you. Have you ever experienced something being put inside you? We're talking about an experience of God that has caused something new to come out of you, an expression of God's heart, almost more than you were expecting. So have you experienced something put in you that has caused something else to come out of you? So your two minutes starts now. What is this? This grace. It's certainly not Mentos in the Coke. It's something that God gives us. 
Bible calls it in Hebrews 4.16, strength to help in time of need. Bible also says we can do nothing. We can do all things through Christ. But as far as the kingdom, as far as spiritual advancement, there's nothing we can do. So put the two things together. If there's nothing that we can do, I can't change the inside. Grace to help in time of need. When is my time of need? All the time. God provides to us, in us, the ability by his love, by his anointing of the Holy Spirit, an ability to live differently. Not only does he tell us and teach us the way to live, gives us the ability to live that way and we have the choice to do that. Grace the same really is getting a fresh sight of him. Charis, grace. God's response. What was God's response to people that ruined his world? It was grace. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. Realistically, in all honesty, standing before a holy God, there's not one of us that could say, well, we deserved to get a kind of good credit point here. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, the only way Luke can describe what would motivate people to do this with their stuff, their life, their belongings, to be so free and so generous, was what he called great grace. It's not just God doing something on our behalf. But when we accept this gift, this grace, it starts kind of to to mess with you. It begins to create a reaction which is beyond the natural. In fact, it causes us to be able to live and demonstrate the life and love of God. God puts in us, by his Spirit, and empowers us by his Spirit, So it's not a question of following some rules. It's an understanding of knowing the direction that God wants us to go in, but then empowered to live that way. God's grace, great grace, starting to do something, working through us to demonstrate what he's like. See, God's grace wasn't just something God did for them. It becomes the power and presence in their lives begins to motivate and generate the kind of behaviours that God describes will represent him, his love, in this world. Paul also talks about this, the grace of God at work. There's this huge famine in Jerusalem. This is a bit further down the line. And there's a desire to demonstrate unity across the people of God, across the regions, with people that you've never met. That's been our joy sometimes, hasn't it? To serve, to give, to send. And God has touched our hearts. God's graced us and enabled us to do things, to send to, to give to people we've never met. Who we Possibly for many of you, never will, till we're all together in heaven. 
That's part of the enormity and the extent of the grace of God. So Paul thought it would be good to demonstrate this unity. Well, I, I didn't think it was, it was good at all. He was working under what God gave him to do. Demonstrate unity across the, the region. Connect them. And decided that the need was great there and that he needed to apply to the different regions. Now the Corinthians had promised to raise funds but for some reason that had failed to happen. So in this scripture... Uh, he's writing to them. They've failed to keep their promise. And he's writing to them and he's saying, and I love this scripture because I think this, this typifies how God wants giving to be. And I have to say, it's very, very different to what many churches and religions have adopted. And by his grace, I never want us to be going that way. This is about a willingness, a readiness to give. Now, this is what he said, 2 Corinthians 8. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, the charis, that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, it welled up in a rich generosity very severe persecution, a difficult time, not a comfortable, not an easy time, extreme poverty. Put those two things together and in the natural they produce a kind of negativity, not an overflowing joy. This is the grace. When you add grace to it, it changes the thing to an overflowing joy and rich generosity. And it's communicated. They gave more than their money. See, the Bible talks about give a cup of water in the name of Jesus. We have to understand that that, the end product of that is far more than a cup of water changing hands. Something is ministered. Life is expressed. The life of God is expressed and God graces us gives us the power, the ability to actually live in that way. For I testify, he goes on to say, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. No one was putting the squeeze on them. Nobody was doing this nasty stuff about trying to squeeze money out of them entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing, koinonia, in this service to the Lord's people. Something that was placed inside came up. Well, I don't know if it hit the ceiling, but it certainly came up. God's grace to live his way. In fact, Paul can't even understand how the Macedonian church managed to raise so much money considering all they were facing. The privilege of koinonia. Don't leave us out. They asked to be involved. Don't exclude us. Because grace had been dropped in their hearts. We're going to look now at excelling in this grace. Amen.
So we we've been talking we've been talking about what this active active ingredient is, this grace. We've looked at what this grace looks like and what it does. Now imagine you're the Corinthians. You must feel a little bit slapped by this. This is great for the Macedonians, but I'm, I'm as a Corinthian, I'm feeling pretty awkward right now. So what does it mean for me? Well, Paul goes on to tell them. He says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It was an encouragement, saying, these things are all good, but see that you don't lack in this one now. I can only think his warning is, don't try and bottle it up. Don't try and put the cap on that reaction that God wants to do in you. If you've experienced the deposit of that grace dropped into your heart, don't let things put... Try and hold it in, bottle it in. Grace is the ability to do the will of God, but we can resist. It's like driving with the handbrake on or, or dropping an anchor when you're, when you're sailing. We are called to work with the Spirit and not to grieve or resist what He's doing in us. And sometimes we have a choice. How do we respond to the compulsion that God is putting in us? I heard a story. Julia Tizard will have to tell you this. She promises it's better than the bit that I've got. But Julia um, shared not so long ago about having had a fresh experience of God and realizing how dry and lacking she had been. And one of the things that she realized that she stopped doing in, in this dry spell that she's been in, she used to write encouraging cards for people, little messages of what God had given her to do. And she realized that she'd stopped doing that as she was getting dry. Now, as this fresh touch of God has, has met with her, she's got a new inspiration, an overflowing desire to, to write these cards for people. But she realized that was a God-given purpose. And I, I put my pen down. I put the cards away during that time. And I think that, that's part of our challenge is, what is it that God's called us to do? Let's not live based on, on what we're experiencing at that point in time. Um, Michael was telling me a story of when he was uh, a young, young boy in primary school. And him and his friends used to pick on this particular boy. And one night, he felt the word of God come to him. I think he was uh, 10 or 11 years old. And he just heard God say to him, you know what? I love that boy. Um, and Michael was done. He was, he was wrecked. He was, he was in pieces about it. And suddenly there was a compulsion inside of him. Something that had been dropped inside of him was working its way out. And he now could not continue to behave the way that he was behaving. But yet there was still a threat to him. The threat was, how are my peers, how is this group that I'm part of going to respond to me? Will I be ostracized? Will I be kicked out? Will I become the bullied 
if I now step beside this guy? There was a choice that he had to make. He had to make a decision to excel with the grace that had been put inside of him. And so often we have that second thought. If you remember the puppet show uh, last week, that second thought was trying to bottle the grace, trying to keep that thing locked inside. So that's, that's a warning and an encouragement. When God is working, work with him. What's he doing? How do we get in line? And when it's put aside our, our, our worries and anxieties and work with what he's doing. So we're coming to the end now, but before we give opportunity for response, we're going to go back into breakout rooms um, and talk to people ne next to you. Um, what has stood out for you listening to listening this morning? And what response do you want to give God? What has stood out for you as you've been listening this morning? And what response do you want to make to God? So your two minutes start now. You may have better responses. If they're your personal responses, that's good. The three that we thought about, you might want to be responding by saying, God, drop that grace into my heart. I don't feel there's anything. I don't feel I've got that active ingredient doing something inside me. Please drop that grace. Give me a sight of you. Let me experience your love. Let me see you. The second response you might want is, Reveal to me how I can express what you have done in me to others. Just give me some opportunity, some outlet. I'm looking for a valve, something to release the pressure. What is it that I can do that would be helpful for others at this point in time? So reveal to me how can I express what you've done in me to others. And lastly, you might want to repent because you realize you've tried to bottle up or resist what God has started in you. Uh, there's a reaction that's there, but you've said, no, God, I'm not prepared to do that. I'm not willing to make that change. I'm not going to make a fool of myself in that way. And it might be time that God's saying, it's time to, to let that go. Let, let's what's on the inside come out. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK. 